The Sparks Museum podcast is made possible by a grant from the Nevada Humanities and the National Endowment for the Humanities. The podcast is just one of many new features of the Sparks Heritage Museum. To learn more, check out our social media channels or our website at www.sparksmuseum.org. Hello, and welcome to the Sparks Museum podcast. I'm your host and media manager for the Sparks Heritage Museum, Jessica Johnson. Sparks' first city election took place on May 2, 1905, when a 38-year-old businessman named William E. Dalton from Austin, Nevada, was elected the city's first mayor. After running a shoe store in Wadsworth, Dalton moved with the city to the new community of Sparks and ran the Green Front Store, which sold shoes and men's clothing. He was one of Sparks' leading businessmen when he was elected, and dedicated his one and only term to helping establish Sparks' city government. Today on the podcast, we welcome the latest mayor in Sparks' over a century-long history, Ed Lawson. Mayor Lawson talks about his favorite aspects of the city, the impact of Sparks' growth and economic development throughout the years, and his ambitions for the city's future while still paying respect to our past. Please welcome to the podcast, Mayor Ed Lawson. Thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Thanks for having me. Um, I want to start off by asking the question that I ask all of our guests, which is, what is your personal connection to the city of Sparks? Well, it's where I raised my uh, family and, and where I currently live, obviously, and <laughs> and I've been very involved in the community for many, many years and uh, just part of the community. I mean, nothing real special, just a place that uh, we chose to raise our kids. That's amazing. And was there any particular reason why you chose Sparks over other surrounding areas? I think we kind of knew when we moved to this area back in 1989 that Sparks was a more family-oriented community. And I think that our city council still approaches the way we make decisions in that aspect is, is it good for families? And we don't really care what your family looks like. You know, it, it just, we want you to have safe and happy and healthy kids in, in the city of Sparks. That's great. And what led to you becoming the mayor with your political aspirations? Well, back in 2010, I was basically coming home from work and my wife's working. The kids are gone off to college and in their jobs. And, and I just said, you know what, I got more to, to give to my community. And so, uh, I was friends with the Reno city councilman. I'd worked on his campaign for about eight years. And I said, you know, it's probably time for me to do something. So, uh, decided to run and we raised a very small amount of money about eighteen thousand dollars the opponent had three three times or more than that and uh we ended up winning because i think a lot of it is i was entrenched in the community you know it's with my rotary club coaching sports for the boys uh you know just involved in community outreach that a lot of people knew me I've noticed that a lot. We've had um, two city council people on the podcast so far, and it seems like that is what makes Sparks a city apart in many cases, is that it is so homegrown and people that are really motivated by the organizations that they're really passionate about. So that's great to hear. Do you see Sparks as a tourist destination? Uh, absolutely. Um, if you look at Golden Eagle Recreation Park, one of probably the single best uh thing that happens in Sparks. We get uh, around a thousand teams a year from all over the country to play on six softball fields. Uh, 
Wow. We're 95% programmed year round. And uh, we generate about $28 million in uh, economic benefit off of those six softball fields. So just that it's the power of that softball field, those softball fields, because there's only two in the country and we happen to be the one. And uh, so we get teams from New York. They all want to come here and play because obviously the, the uh, turf is perfect and it's a great way to, to host some of these larger tournaments that uh, they don't have to worry about care of the field as much. In thinking about some of the other large tourist destinations or just key go-to places around Sparks, includes the Sparks Marina, downtown Victorian Avenue, and of course the new Audi District. What do you think makes these areas unique and what do you see as their role in the community? Well, I see where, where we're looking at for the future. And, and the way our tax system works in Nevada, we have to grow. We, we cannot say, you know, and a lot of people say this to me, it seems like weekly, is that we just need to close the doors and don't let anyone else move here. Well, it's not possible. The way our tax system works in Nevada, if you're not growing, you're dying. There's no in-between. You can't stay the same. So you either grow or you die. And, and that's largely because of the depreciation on homes. And there's no reset upon sale. So, for example, I bought my house 24 years ago, and I paid about $100,000 for it. The guy across the street bought his house, the exact same house, and he paid $430,000 for it, and he pays the same property taxes I pay. Mm -hmm. So there's an inherent inequity there because you're not paying your fair share to the value of the house. You're demanding the services but you're not paying the price. So we got to figure out a way to fix that in the future. Mm -hmm. For me, it would be reset the property tax upon sale to the value of the home. So if you paid a million dollars for it, you'd pay as a, a million dollar home. If you paid a hundred grand, you pay a hundred grand worth. So it's, it's, I think a more fair and equitable. Uh, I think there's some argument at the state legislature about all that. So we, we've been working on it for many, many years. Uh, I don't see it changing until the pain of Las Vegas is greater than change. So Vegas basically controls the state. Mm. And when the pain of change is worse than the pain of staying the same, then, uh, then they will, then they'll change. Absolutely. Or vice versa. Pain <laughs> of staying the same. <laughs> so these, these major destinations, you see that their role is a part of a growing community, which actually, when you look at the census, even the, population of Sparks has increased dramatically. I believe in 2010, it was 90,000. And as of 2020, it was 108,000 people. This necessitates a physical growth of the space. And so how do you see this growth and development, as you were talking about earlier, about welcoming new people, no matter mm -hmm. who they are, to the community? What do you see um, this growth and development in terms of benefiting the community? So I, I've been given a vision speech for about 15 months now of how we want to see the city of Sparks grow. A large part of that is growing to the east. We have a lands bill that would give us, open us up to a bunch of acreage that fill in between Sparks and USA Parkway to join the two counties together. Mm. We've largely ignored Story County. They have 50,000 jobs out there. And 80% of those people live with us in Reno and Sparks. So that's 35,000 people that commute down the highway every single day. Uh, so I think, you know, we got to address that. And we've taken into consideration a road. Uh, 
But at the same time, we have to look at our services we can provide, especially for police and fire. So if we go far out east, we can't really service that. So we're looking at densifying within the city of Sparks. Obviously, you can see it in downtown uh, with the apartment complexes down there. We're looking to do the same thing along Audi Boulevard to densify that area, but maybe make it a little more Hispanic-themed because of the, the population that's there. It's roughly, you know, it's, it's a good percentage of the folks that live in the Audi area are Hispanic. So it seems to me that in, in that connects over... Audi connects to Wells, which is where the large percentage of Hispanic population is in Reno. So it's making all of these things work together and complement that Reno and Sparks. I mean, you really can't tell the difference, you know, if you're not from here. Uh, a lot of people can't tell even if you are from here where, where the border is. So it's making that all work together so it's one cohesive region. I think is extremely important. So what I'm hearing is about diversifying the city and really celebrating the culture that is here Absolutely. within Sparks. Absolutely. I think that's important. You know, we have a large uh, Hispanic population. Around 25% of our population is, is Hispanic. Uh, I think, you know, they have a, a rich culture that, it, to me, uh, is wonderful. Um, you know, one of my friends, Chewy uh, Gutierrez, who owns Chewy's, you know, he's, he's my... Uh, my all things historic on, on a Hispanic population. So he, he's, he's a lot of fun to be around and he's opened my eyes to a lot of things that, that are good for our city. And, and I think it's time we embrace that. Absolutely. And on the vein of thinking about how exciting the growth and development is, we have recently seen some historic buildings that have been torn down um, or at least have not been yet torn down, but are otherwise being listed as being in jeopardy. Could you weigh in on what losing these buildings means in the face of this economic development? It, it's unfortunate that that's a part of the growth cycle. Mm -hmm. and, and a few, I grew up in Las Vegas in the 60s and 70s. I left in 78 to go play football at Colorado State. But in Vegas, just has been on a, a growth tear since the day. I mean, when we moved there, I was born in Washington State. My dad moved there in 1963 with, with us. And uh, so obviously I knew no other place but Las Vegas. But Vegas has grown in so much that there is no real old Vegas history any longer. Even the old casinos that made Vegas great are, are gone. And the, I'm going to go back to this property tax thing. Because we have to grow at such an exponential rate, we have to sacrifice some of that stuff. And, if, and unfortunately, uh, that's going to be the, the next phase for us in this area. I mean, we don't have a historical society. We don't have funding to move buildings or to save them. So it, it's, it really comes down to market value. We're, it's a transformation that we're going through. You know, Sparks has always been a town. You know, when I moved to Sparks, it was around 40,000 people, maybe less, you know, back in the early 90s. So... We, we have now become to having city problems, like parking. <laughs> parking, yes. you know, especially on the streets and in the neighborhoods where unlicensed vehicles and, you know, junk cars and those kind of things. So we are now having to enforce that where we never had to do that before. The neighborhood kind of did it. But now we're, because of our population growth, that's, that's what's happening. You work amongst a very dedicated group of people across many different sectors working toward a common goal of bettering the community and addressing community needs. 
So how many people, on, on average, I don't expect an exact count, <laughs> work for the city of Sparks? And what, what is behind the motto of it's all happening here? So we have around 800 employees in the summertime with the part-time employees. Obviously, that's way down uh, in these times because of not just not being able to find bodies at this point. Mm. Uh, lifeguards, you know, are on big demand. But uh, And then our before and after school programs. Are, are a big deal and finding people to do that uh, are, is difficult too. So we're we're right around normally uh, around 800. We're probably around 700 right now in the summertime. Wintertime without the part-time employees, we're, we run around 550, 600 employees all the time. And most of our employees have some type of advanced degree, whether it's a police or fire, engineering, uh, you know, all the things, the city planning, all, all the things that we do out at the sewer plant, almost everybody out there has, a, has some type of advanced degree. So we have some very talented people at the city of Sparks, and, and obviously we couldn't do it without it. And what about the motto? It's all happening here. You, you know, know where that came a, from? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was from about 12 years ago. And it was a rebrand from the rail city, or I think it was rail city, but, uh, it was happening here, meaning like the the marina, the special events that we have. We have some of the best special events in the world. I mean, nowhere else I mean, do you get to see starting off with uh, a fireworks display, followed by uh, 5,000 classic cars, followed by balloon races and air races. And, you know, all the different things that we do is all in downtown Sparks. And we, you know, we have some of the old folks, the old timers have been around and said, oh, you're ruining it for special events. It's actually, we're just making it different. It's, we're still making it work. The uh, rib cook-off is going to be fantastic this year. The way they have it laid out is, is I think is going to be awesome. We've invested a lot of money in uh, crowd protection devices like uh, barriers. Mm -hmm. We have a barrier to the entrance and exit on Victorian that will withstand a fully loaded semi-truck going 50 miles an hour and stop it dead in its tracks. Oh, wow. So we, you know, we had seen some of those incidences in the past. We protect that. If you'll notice too, at every special event, you'll see uh, snipers on the roof. So we are protecting our crowd and our people uh, so that you can come down in downtown Sparks and feel safe. And, you know, it's unfortunate that we have to put a sniper on the roof and we have to have a police presence and, and all those things. But it's a different, you know, the world we're living in now is, is different than it was 20 years ago. Absolutely. Well, and I think that that's, it's the cost of holding events like these in, in some pretty troubling times. But also on a lighter note, it goes back to that mission of welcoming in more people, mm -hmm. of having them experience the city of Sparks and the ways in which it's different and differentiated from our Reno neighbor. It's true. And, and I, it, we're, I think we're more of a community too. And I think what really shows in our downtown now, my, my son is home from uh, med school for a little while. So he's got an apartment in downtown Sparks and he, you know, he had seen it, he knew about it, but didn't really pay attention until he lived down there. He goes, you know, dad, this is the coolest thing. I can walk to the movies. I can walk to get dinner. I can walk over here to have a beer. I can walk, you know, everywhere. And I want, need to go. Everything's right there. He said, the only thing we need is a grocery store. <laughs> when we get a grocery store in downtown Sparks, we'll know we have made it. Oh, there we go. That's, that's <laughs> going to be our, our, our pinnacle when yeah. we get a grocery store. <laughs> 
In thinking about Sparks's proximity to Reno and with Sparks's origins in the railroad and in agriculture, I feel like Sparks is more commonly thought of as a city apart when in context of its past. And sometimes, especially today, it often gets branded together with Reno. Um, and we see the the hyphen in between, Reno Sparks. So the Reno Sparks Convention Center, the RSCVA, things of that ilk. Mm-hmm. Do you find that to be a positive or a negative in the city's image? I actually find it as a positive. If you think about Dallas-Fort Worth, for example, mm. you know, the Tri-Cities, uh, uh, Kansas City, you know, the, when you put these all these cities together, they, they create their, number one, people recognize where it is. So that's a good thing. Because it used to be just Reno. Sparks wasn't included at all. Right. We had a big joke when I sat on the RSCVA, the, the S was uh, silent. Uh. <laughs> so, you know, so we, we are happy to be part of the Reno Sparks because we are one community. But at the same time, we're a different type of a community in the way that we approach things. So I think that that, that differentiation comes once you're here to understand the difference. And I have a lot of people that say, oh, I moved to Reno, and then, you know, I saw what you guys are doing. We have the All Abilities Play Park. We have another one opening up here this fall that, you know, you guys really cater to the family, and I want to raise my kids there. And that's what I like to hear. That's great. I feel like there has been a, a very large push in the past couple of decades towards um, families coming to this you. area. The marina is the perfect example of it. I mean, my Rotary Club does free fishing day over there where we uh, we put in with the cooperation of the Endow, the Nevada Partner, Department of Wildlife, about 8,000 fish behind a net. And kids get to fish for free. We give them a free fishing pole. We feed them a hot dog and a chips and a soda they get games they can play there's uh, different types of wildlife so it's teaching the kids about what's around here but it's all free so that it, and and that's what's cool about it is like they come back and they say, i'm going to give you back your pole and i said no that's your pole you get to keep that and so that you know they get excited about using some of our resources which also ties them back into us yeah. in this area. So there's we have tremendous natural resources right around us. If you like the desert, and, and there's plenty of places in the desert that are just as gorgeous as any place on earth, and then you've got the mountains to the to the west. I happen to ride Harleys. Some of the best riding in the world is right out our, our back door. Sure is. And in thinking about this area and for how many years that you've been here, do you have a favorite destination in Sparks or a, a go-to place that you just love to visit? Uh, it's probably downtown now. It yeah. kind of switched, you know, as I was younger. It was the softball fields because I love playing softball. And now, now, you know, I'm older. I, I love being downtown in the Sparks and the events. And the theater that we have in downtown Sparks is just second to none. We actually went and watched Maverick there, me and my wife, the other day. <laughs> on the IMAX screen? Uh, yeah. No, uh, no, not on that one. I, <laughs> I get motion sickness, <laughs> so <laughs> I can't do that one. But we had, you know, it's just right there, and then we had dinner afterwards, and it was just, it's just nice to go park and walk and, and be around and then see the, the neighbors and, and the people that you know from around the city that are down there too. So it, it's, it creates that community that, you know, everybody kind of, we call it one degree of separation. You probably know someone I know. And that's, we're not, we don't have to even get to six degrees like Kevin Bacon. We just need one. 
Well, that's the thing. If Reno brands itself as the biggest little city in the world, then that must mean that Sparks is smaller yeah. and you're going to run into someone you know. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and what about favorite events? Do you have a particular event that you, you know, can't like, wait for? I like all of them, but I, I'm a, you know, being a Harley rider, I, I like the street vibes and I like that, that event. Um, it gives us a chance to, to get out and, you know, kind of have fun. And the Harleys are, for me, it's a way to take my mind off of everything because you have to concentrate on riding because everybody's trying to kill me when I'm <laughs> riding my motorcycle. So you're looking 360 degrees. So you're, you're not thinking about the problem that you had or the, this neighbor who's fighting with that neighbor over, you know, something that it, it, you concentrate on the thing you're at. So it's a great release for your mind. And I think those kind of events are, are more and more important for all of us. And then to bring us all together, too, is, you know, I think we've gotten to this divisive community in the entire United States. But if we really sat down and talked to each other, we agree on about eight out of ten things. It's true. And we just got to tolerate the other two things we disagree on. And I, I think in the long run, we'll get back to that. But it's going to be a tough road for the short term. Sure. Uh, that's something that we have seen with the Sparks Museum is really evaluating the value of gathering spaces, places for the community to gather as one. And we were talking before the podcast, I asked you when the last time that you were able to visit the museum and you said that you gave a tour there to, who was it again? Senator Rosen. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing that, first yeah. of all. But what do you see as the value in historical institutions like the Sparks Museum? Well, I think it's, it's extremely important to just bring that back. It's, you know, that history is everything. And there's... Uh, a couple of books that the Sparks Museum has that I have, and, and I absolutely love reading those things and, and, and just learning about how we became Sparks. And, and a lot of people don't realize that we were mostly a, a meadows and a, more of a swampy area. And Reno wanted too much money to put the rail depot there in the, in the Reno. So they came to us and then backfilled the land, and that's how the rail yard came about. Thus, then that created the sparks and growth and sparks. So that, that history of less expensive land kind of still holds true today. If you look at the median price of a house in Reno, it's 600 and I think $25,000 in sparks is 551,000. Mm. So just, it, it's that difference in, in communities that they're subtle, but yet it's, you know, it's, it gives us our own unique, uh, viability to to be a city well i think that ties back into the idea of the motto it's all happening here because even though the re that was a rebrand from the rail city starting in 1904 it was all happening here and the way that this town rallied to support the sole source of its industry and economy um every single business was dedicated to the support of the railroad and the the changes that we have seen have represented the change in the people that live here and the change in need. And I think that that's reflected as well in. And we still have that history. I mean, over in the industrial part uh, that's closest to the railroad, that's Conductor Heights. Yeah. All those houses over there were made for train conductors and, and employees of the railroad. A lot of the houses uh, uh, down around on First, uh, Second, Third, and Fourth Street, you know, those those are houses that are put in there to accommodate the railroad employees. So it, it's all been about that. And 
even our name, the way we got our name is, is kind of interesting and, uh, from Governor Sparks. Right. I think that the city of Sparks has a unique feature in that there is a very almost familial relationship that Sparks has with its mayors. There have been some beloved and lauded mayors that people still talk about to this day when they come into the museum. With that in mind, uh, no pressure here, but what would you like your legacy as mayor to be? That I put my city on a course to be successful for decades to come. That's where I'm really looking at the planning part of it. Um, the The lands bill is super important. If, if we don't get the lands bill this year, we, we are literally on a pace to become like San Francisco. Mm. And all this BLM land that's around us might as well be ocean, which means then we have to build vertically. And when you go vertically, you're, it's more expensive. And so affordable housing, workforce housing, all of those housing types go up up exponentially in value to to house those folks in in San Francisco as you may or may not know but a lot of the working class can't afford to live in downtown so they commute from 60 miles plus away to to work in downtown San Francisco so we don't want to be that we're Nevada we always want to be Nevadans and and part of that for us is that fierce independence and also the ability to to have a job and, and work as hard as you want to work or as little as you want to work. I mean, it's part of the deal, too. So I, I think we're in, we're in good shape for the future, I hope, with the lands bill passes. If not, we have some, we have some backup plans, but it's very, very important that we find a place to grow to. The way that our property tax system, I think, is important to know it's at around five years that a brand new house starts to lose money for us. And that's the reason being is inflation, and, and it's going to be faster now, as I just heard uh, June inflation rate was n- over 9%. Mm. So it's big, big time. But you combine the depreciation of the house and the inflation, and it's normally about five years where the house is not keeping up with the growth of the city. So we, we've got to fix that problem. And, and then maybe we can slow down a little bit. Because we, we are going to run into it, and we have plenty of water. That's the good news. But we don't have the water out. So our sewer plant is 65 years old. And the first Band-Aid for that we're looking at is, is $200 million. Oh my if gosh. we were trying to replace that plant, we're in the billion-dollar range. Well, I just don't know how you divide 400000 into a billion. It, no. it, that, that's a big number for every citizen in in this area. And that includes Reno and Sparks. So... It's uh, those are those are big issues that we have to deal with that I've been, uh, you know, behind the scenes working on and and looking for ways to get more capacity and to, you know, growing to the east will help us to put another sewer plant in and, and and then give effluent water that we can sell to Story County, which helps them, which, you know, once again, you can't do anything in a vacuum. A floating tide raises all boats. And that's what's good for Sparks is good for Reno, good for Story County. Absolutely. Wow, that is a formidable undertaking, but I mean... I got nothing else to do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we appreciate how community-driven you are and um, how mission-driven, too, like you said, taking it all the way back to the beginning of our conversation about... It's really about supporting the people who are living here and trying to think ahead to the people who might be living here. We work hard on that, and our council has been fantastic. 
we have an awesome city manager who's a very intelligent man who's you know an engineer by trade um we have you know so i know we can get things done and i know that we have the uh, expertise to make it happen within our staff so it, it's been fun that part of it but it's uh you're right it's a big task but i'm i'm if you don't do big things and the big things will never happen that is a great note to shift to our last uh, questions, which are our big three questions. So these are the questions that we ask each one of our guests when they come on. We've pretty much dedicated the whole podcast to this, but if there was just one thing that really sparks you about Sparks, what makes it a unique place to live, work, or even just visit? I think it's our people, for sure. It's Our people are just, they're friendly. You know, I go to the grocery store. I, I often get stopped at the grocery store or someplace. And, you know, Mr. Mayor, I want to talk to you about this or that. And and I sit there and I, and I listen to them and, and I try to explain. I think most of my job is just about education. So the more educating we make our population, the friendlier they are, the more they can understand their neighbors to say, you know, okay, I can agree or we can agree to disagree or whatever that, you know, that compromise is. And I, I think... Our people are just fantastic and sparks. And do you have a favorite story? Um, this could be a historical uh, occurrence that happened or even just a personal memory from Sparks' history. I think the one that, that is the funniest one to me is uh, Governor Sparks. When Governor Sparks, they asked him, you know, we want to name Sparks after you. And he said, no, 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 no. I don't want, you know, any city named after me. Well, it turns out 30 days into office, he signs into law that we are now Sparks. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was like, oh, no, no, but, but oh, yeah, I'll sign that right away. So. Oh, no, little me. I'm so modest. <laughs> exactly. We so that, that one is, is pretty funny to me. <laughs> and since we are a museum, this is a museum podcast with a collections archive, and I don't know if you heard, but we're also trying to revitalize the original 1931 library that used to be in that building mm -hmm. um, and make it into a research center, our organization believes that there are innumerable stories in our community that are worth telling. Um, so if there was just one thing that you could contribute to the Sparks Museum, that could be either an artifact, or a personal item, or even a story, an oral history. Um, is there any item that you're aware of or that you personally own that you believe is museum worthy? I had a friend of mine give me a, uh, it's a little knife that has John Esquaga's nugget on it. Wow. That was, it was a giveaway from like in the 1970s. And he gave that to me and said, you know, you need to have this. And so I, I have that at my desk at home, and it's just kind of cool to look at. And it sits up there with my uh, history books on Sparks that, you know, it hangs out. It's, I, I enjoy it. That's great, especially since the Nugget is such a an iconic part of It very much yeah, is. I mean, and what a great partnership we have with them, too, as far as the city and our special events and, and the management over there. And we're, we're happy to know, too, you know, they sold. But the, the staff is going to stick around for at least five years. Oh, that's so great. That's, we're going to have some stability in this transition with the new company of having the same old staff there. And that, that's always great. That's excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. It was so great to hear from you. Um, and uh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I enjoy doing this kind of stuff.
Sparks Museum podcast is funded in part by a grant from the Nevada Humanities and the National Endowment for the Humanities. It is produced and recorded at the podcast recording studio at Sparks' own Antspace Coworking Entrepreneurial Hub, a place for entrepreneurs made by entrepreneurs. We really want to get the word out about our brand new audio series, so please spread the word about our new podcast by taking a moment to rate, review, and share this episode. Do you have a favorite story of Sparks that you want to hear on the podcast? Email info at sparksmuseum.org to share any recommendations. We would love to hear from you. We also invite you to visit the Sparks Heritage Museum on 814 Victorian Avenue. The museum is open Tuesdays through Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Please come visit and be a part of our ongoing efforts to tell the Sparks story. We'll see you next time.